clock has started. Welcome to that Pixel Life. This is episode 157, recording September 5th, 2021. My name is Zach Anderson. This week we are discussing some PS5 upgrades, some uh, Game Boy action, perchance, um, other gaming news, plus a little horror gaming talk and what we've been playing. And to do that, I have with me Justin Innistrata's coming, Carter. Dude, how's it going, dude? I'm so excited. Two weeks until Innistrad comes out like all the spoilers wizard's been throwing a bunch of card spoilers this week and stuff on twitter and it's uh shaping up to be a probably like my favorite of the like recent magic sets because i just love zombies vampires like werewolves like Innistrad the original Innistrad was one of my favorite magic sets ever all right we are we are hyped lesser werewolves greater werewolves sangir vampires all returning to the fold i'm down if you know what i'm talking about kudos to you if not just roll with it it's fine um also you might be asking why we're talking some horror why justin is putting innistrad in his title uh that is because we have an expert with us this week stepping in for mr shannon moore steve straight to dvd horror Whitaker. steve hey everybody hey how's it going uh happy to be here i'm here to chew bubble gum and talk about bad movies and games <laughs> and he's all out of bubble gum um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, thank you so much for joining us. I know it was a kind of a last minute deal, but I'm so happy you could hop on. We've been trying to uh, get 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 back with you for a while now, because man, we have had some real bad movies come out. So. Oh, we have. Yep, there's plenty <laughs> to talk about that for certain. <laughs> All right. Um, so in the meantime, it's weird that I'm talking to two Phoenix natives, and I'm out here in California. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's been a balmy, like, 90 degrees in the Bay Area. I, I, I don't have a jacket or sweater, though. I know how you guys must be laughing at me, thinking that this weather's hot. But uh, well, Right now, it's, it's, it's awfully humid for the Phoenix area, and that's worse than the dry heat that we usually have for certain. I, uh, yeah, 100%. I can't stand the humidity. You know, that, that whole thing where it's a dry heat is mostly complete BS. I think it's a thing people yep. just like to say, but it's rationalization. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, but there is a, but there when it's 85 with like 80% humidity, like if you were in Orlando right now, that's way worse to me. Absolutely. Like, yeah. When you, when you step outside and you're just sweating, like that's, that's the worst. Ugh. Justin, can you relate at all? Yeah, dude, it has been. Cause we've been getting rain off and on for like weeks now. And uh, it's like, I'll go to take out the recycling through the garage. And as soon as I open the laundry room door to step into the garage, it's like I get hit with a second door. Of just humidity, <laughs> and I'm like, just waiting for my mini fridge in the garage to just quit working because it just feels like shit in there because of all the rain. It just throws yeah. up two birds at you and says, no, nope, I'm done. Uh, like, refrigerate your own uh, sparkling water, my boy, because I'm out. <laughs> 
Yeah, we hardly got a monsoon last year, and then uh, apparently this year is making up for it. I, I think like, it's I think it's insane because it's one of those things like I guess if you're not in Arizona, no one ever tells you. I never knew Arizona had like a monsoon season. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much every late July we'll we'll get hit with a couple big uh, uh, boobs, if you will, and and that's kind of it. Just a couple weeks of rain, and uh, we need it. But yeah, last year we it pretty much just skipped over monsoon season. Yeah. Well, the in the Bay Area, uh, the thing, and it's weird because you forget every year, and I don't know why it is. Every year around the end of July, early August, you're like, oh. I guess we didn't have a hot summer this year. That's awesome. Like, okay, great. We're going to move into fall. And then about the end of August, you remember, oh, summer in the Bay Area is late August to October. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden the, the the temperature just stays 90 degrees for like eight straight weeks. And it's like, damn it. But, but also, you trick yourself, you know? <laughs> it must be nice to have seasons, though. I, I'd like to know more about that. <laughs> well, I mean, seasons to, a, to an extent. You know, it goes, it goes from say mid sixties to like 90 then to back to mid sixties. So it's not like we have, you know, proper winter or fall or anything. Yeah. It's just summer here and less hot summer. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> summer and then what everyone else considers summer. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That all makes sense. Um, but speaking of heat, can we talk about the heat that Sony took this week? I, that transition was just for Justin. Um, <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> uh so i don't know if you guys followed this story at all it, it was a fun like 24 hours for sony when they launched all of the special editions you could get for horizon forbidden west and initially it was like here's the ps4 version here's the ps5 version here's the special editions for all of them and the ps4 version is going to be upgradable for the ten dollar option uh to which the internet went, hey, 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 remember about a year ago when you said any of these games was not going to be uh, charged to upgrade. They were all going to be free of charge to upgrade. And Sony was like, ah, what? Huh? I don't I don't remember saying that. What? Hmm. No, it doesn't sound right. And uh, <laughs> so then the internet, as did what the internet does, pulls out the receipts. And about 48 hours later, uh, Jack Ryan was out there going like, hey, so this is going to be the last game that does that because it technically was a launch title and we took a whole bunch of pre-orders for it. So, uh, yeah, here we go. And um, I thought I found that very funny and interesting. But, hey, it it also means you can spend $60 and buy the PS4 version of Horizon Forbidden West and get the free PS5 upgrade instead of spending $70 on the PS5 version which I also think is hilarious. And that uh, Horizon, that's the Genshin Impact, Impact spinoff, right? Uh, that, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, I couldn't resist. Uh, they, they did Damn it, that was Aloy so good. <laughs> that was so good. Like, I was uh, about to respond. I'm like, wait a minute. Think about what you just heard, Zach. I'm like, just trolling. Uh, <laughs> have you played that at all? I have With not. Um, actually, the closest I've gotten to playing it is when they did add Aloy to Genshin Impact. Yeah. It's like, maybe I should uh, familiarize myself with Horizon, uh, with the well, first Horizon and the spin or the expansion. Well, I'll tell you, them putting Aloy in it got me to download Genshin Impact mm -hmm. to my PS5, and I have not fired it up because I'll be honest, that game kind of scares me a little bit. Like, yes, it should. It's, uh, it's, yeah. 
it will get its hooks in you. I'll say that much. It's it's been my comfort game for the last uh, year, I guess. <laughs> and and the thing is, I know knowing that I could play it also on the phone with the uh, with the Razer Kishi and not really lose any functionality and take that save all the way back and forth between console, between phone and everything in between. Uh, yep. uh, it makes it, it's intimidating to me. Yeah, it's like, man, a... how much of my life am I going to lose to this? <laughs> there's a lot of content or a lot of content content there, but it's, uh, it's all really, really well done. And it's not really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but it's not really like pay to win, right? There's a not lot of at all. No. Okay. Um, you, in fact, I've, I've been kind of, uh, doing a little bit of an experiment, with uh, setting up a second account and just purely doing it free to play just to kind of see, compare it to my main account where I pay about $5 a month okay. uh, for some extra gems that you can use to put into the gotcha system. But um, yeah, you, you can have a perfectly viable time uh, without putting any money into it whatsoever. Because yeah, I, I, know use... Shannon, I know Shannon had played that for a while before he got sucked back into Warzone, uh, Call of Duty Mobile, but... Mm. Uh, Justin, did you ever mess with Genshin Impact? No, it's one of those where it's like, it sounded interesting and looked, I'm kind of the same boat as you, where it's like, man, dude, I do not have the time <laughs> to probably dedicate to like getting good at this game or like building up like a decent sized party. But and the, the fact though that it is across multiple platforms, like you can play it on PS5 and your mobiles is really cool. And I'd like to see like more games kind of adopt that like cloud save feature and stuff because that's always really nice yeah. yeah and i think going oh sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna say that the ps5 version is also really really well done it it, it perf- has much better performance than the ps4 version which has mm. a bit of a, a frame rate issue to say the least okay and and correct me if i'm wrong but didn't they get rid of the the gatekeeping between sony platforms and the others because wasn't I, that a thing for a while that you could only play the sony ones on sony and yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, yeah, I believe you can just um, you can tie your account to an email now and, and mm-hmm. have functionality across multiple platforms now. So that's a nice addition to the game. Yeah, because I remember originally it was like, well, I guess I could start it on Xbox because that one I could play mobile on. But then when I saw the Aloy stuff, I'm like, I, I'm going to want to do that because yeah, I love Horizon. So Strangely, there there is no Xbox version, and there's not even a Switch version. But um, I, I think the Switch version I there, is. I thought there was a Switch version, isn't? There? No, they they I think announced that they're working on it, but oh uh, okay, they've run into some technical issues or something, and, and it's been delayed forever. Um, but yeah, someday we'll get a Switch version of that. Hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah, maybe when the 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 new Switch for realsies comes out, not <laughs> just the screen upgrade Switch. Um, okay, we can uh, push off that one. Uh, other, the other thing I'm gonna say is, uh, man, Horizon. I still want to play the hell out of Horizon. I know I say it every week, guys, and I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm I'm very excited about Horizon. Uh, I love that first game so much, and all the second one has to do is just not suck, and and I'm there. <laughs> like we're good. Um, okay, so the other kind of big story from the week was it looks like. Nintendo might actually be adding some more functionality to their Nintendo Switch online library by adding Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm, 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 I'm hesitantly excited. You know, it's one of those things where, like, I love the idea until I start thinking about what I played on Game Boy, and I'm like, am I ever going to play that? I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I think the Game Boy library is... I feel like it's underrated personally, but I, I get that there's... Especially with how they handle the the NES and the Super NES, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the games that they're adding to that. Uh, although there, there's some obscure gems for the Game Boy. I'd love to see something weird like uh, Roland's Curse show up on there or Sword of Hope if they're going to go down that obscure route like they did with the other oh, sure. uh, consoles. Yeah. But yeah, it's... I'm very curious to see what the how they handle that. There was there was a kick-ass port of Rampart on the Game Boy that oh, I used to play all the time. Like it came in a clear uh, cartridge. That's what my big memory of that is. Oh. Um, also, the original Game Boy sports games were fantastic, like tennis and baseball and all that. Mario mm-hmm. Baseball and Mario Tennis on the Game Boy were were fantastic. I think they could be uh, make a killing on the service if they just dropped uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. Yeah, like, that's all they need to do. <laughs> nostalgia would get me for that. But uh, I don't know. Is there anything on those for those that jumps out to you, Justin, as, as must plays or must haves for that type of service? Like, I would actually be really surprised if they did Pokemon like red and blue or even like yellow and stuff mm. on there. Like, I'm more thinking like I really want Wario Land one through three mm. on there. And of course, the Super <laughs> Mario Land. Of course I do. I mean, <laughs> because Nintendo's never going to give me another one, so just give me the old ones again because nice. that's all I get. But um, I would also wouldn't really be surprised if they put, like, the Game Boy, like, Link's Awakening yes. and stuff now, on see, there. That's, like, yeah, that's a good call. That's a yeah, good call. so I'm thinking, like, the Super Mario Land's, like, Link's Awakening. Um, it'd be really cool with the Switch. They could do, like, Kirby Tilt and Tumble and use, like, the... Um, God, I can never remember what that the gyroscope and stuff yeah. and the switch to do the tilt and tumble and stuff for Kirby. Like that would be really cool. Or Pokemon Pinball, like mm-hmm. has like the vibrate, like to get the Joy Cons and stuff, the vibrate and handheld mode and stuff, like doing pinball. That would be amazing. That would be pretty cool, actually. I'm, I'd be I'd be on board with that. I know, and I know my kids would definitely be on board with some Pokemon Pinball. Like, I'm, I would probably never get my switch back. Um, <laughs> now, now this is a question for you guys. Link's Awakening or Oracle of the uh, Oracle of the Seasons, which I, which is your Game Boy Color game? Absolutely, Link's Awakening for me. That's my favorite yeah. Game Boy game ever. I do love the Oracle games mm-hmm. as well. Um, they're extremely well done. I like how they uh, how you can jump from one to the other and unlock the true ending by beating them both. Uh, but Link's Awakening is just is, is a perfect game in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I I never played the remake though. I don't it's, know why. It's very charming. I love the the visual style of it, and it's a very faithful remake in okay. terms of difficulty and everything. It's uh, almost slavishly <laughs> faithful. Yeah, but... like you could literally look up like video guides, and it be the Game Boy game, and it still pertains perfectly to the remake, pretty much mm-hmm. because it's the exact same game for the most part. I think I think I was scared that they were gonna botch it, and I'd be like really disappointed. It's what because because I'm with you, Steve, where it's one of those games in my memory is just a super high watermark moment for me in gaming. And so it's like, should I just leave that unsullied in my brain or do I want to play this remake and have it be like, ah, maybe it's not that good or ah, they screwed it up. And I don't know. It's it's kind of like when you remake a a movie franchise, it's like maybe I don't want to see the remake. Maybe I'm fine. Gus Van Sant's Psycho uh, comes to mind where it's shot for (laughs) shot remake and it's not a good movie. (laughs) I never understood why they did that. It was just 
a very strange idea, but uh, yeah, not stick with the original. I mean, or, it's it's like it's like it seems like an idea straight out of I don't know some random film university project. It's yeah. like yeah, let's just do a shot for shot remake as like our our final you know this year, but yeah, they made it as an actual movie. Weird. But uh, yeah, yeah, Link's Awakening, yeah, amazing game. I would love to see the DX version represented, even though that color dungeon that they added isn't anything that special. Uh, it's still just such a great game in terms of aesthetics, and man, I love the story for that. It's it's my favorite Zelda game, even I'd go so far to say. Yeah, I would also. Hard. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's hard because Link's Awakening is also one of my favorite Zelda games of all time, and the only one that slightly beats it for me is Minish Cap. And it's because oh. I love Minish Cap. Like, I love the mole mitts. I love, like, all the items, like the rock cape, the Pegasus boots. Like, mm-hmm. great. Minish Cap was really good. The, uh, the, the one time I played Four Swords with people with the hookup and everything and had it work, that was awesome. But that was one time, and I was never able to do it again. So Now, that's, that's what I'd like to see a Nintendo revisit is just – put out an online version of four swords adventures and just allow me to play that without any of the, uh, well, I mean, I guess they kind of messed up the final fantasy crystal chronicles port, but Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully Nintendo would do a better job than square Enix. I mean, let's be honest. I never tried crystal. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, let's be honest. Crystal chronicles, like wasn't great to begin with. (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah. It's, uh, Playing the modern version, the, the remaster was kind of a reminder that it's like, okay, maybe this game, uh, like what Zach was saying about Link's Awakening, maybe maybe it was best to just kind of leave uh, my nostalgia, my, my nostalgic nem- memories of that game and not actually go back to it. But uh, also they messed up a lot of things with the port as well. It, it's just, it was a really bad experience overall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I remember Justin talking about that one and I never played it myself, but it sounded painful when Mm -hmm. Justin was telling us about that. So like, it's fun. It's one of those where it's like, it starts out fun at first and it's like, you go through the years, but they just recycle bosses and you get to the point where it's like, you fight the same boss like four or five times. And if there's Mm -hmm. bosses you hate, it's just miserable. And then your little, uh, Moogle's carrying the chalice thing. He's tired. So then it's like, you can't really move. And I'm just like, dude. Like, this isn't fun. <laughs> and horrendous input delay. It was just, yeah, that yeah. was a debacle. <laughs> not not everything can be smooth sailing, I suppose. Um, well, I, we only have a couple more stories to touch on real quick. The first one is, uh, I thought it was hilarious that Niantic, uh, I know, I'm not sure if Steve plays Pokemon Go, but I got Justin back into Pokemon Go. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and they had taken away the uh the distance so in in the pandemic they changed the distance on stops and gyms so you didn't have to be right up on them to activate them and people really liked that and then they were like oh i guess pandemic's over we're taking that back out and people lost their damn minds because no one everyone got used to driving by gyms and stuff and not having to get out of their cars and walk around and uh, yeah, so people were openly rebelling against that. And uh, Niantic went, hey, guess what? You guys are right. Never mind. And uh, switched it back. So I just thought that was funny. Um, Justin, have you have you benefited from this? Yeah, well, it's fine. It was immediately like uh, 
it was immediately noticeable because me and Megan went up this weekend to Pine Top and stuff to my parents' house up there for my dad's birthday and stuff. So there was like a bunch of poker stops over there. So we were kind of like walking around the lake, like hitting those and stuff. And, you know, you can hit like two, three of them from like super far away. So you can tell, like, I was like, oh, dude, Nike, Nike finally folded and like <laughs> we put it back to what it was the pre-pandemic because it's like so nice. I'm like, I don't have to walk up. I can like be on the opposite side of the street and hit the one or two at the fucking park. Like, I don't have yep. to like walk like up into the park, like some like child molester to like try and get the poker stop and then leave real quick. <laughs> it sounds even worse when you're like, no, 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 I'm just chasing a Pikachu up in here. Looks like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, no, don't worry. I don't have kids. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, Steve, are you a, a Pokemon Go player? I've, I've only played a little bit of it, uh, and that was a long time ago, but I, I, I love the idea of it, and, and I'm always a fan of when uh, a publisher can admit that they made a mistake and go back on that and, and fix it for the fans. It, it is funny, because uh, I also, when it first came out, messed with it a little bit, was just about done with it, and my wife caught the bug and became, like, crazy hooked on it been playing it all the time past me in levels like she's up to like level 42 or something crazy right now and then then started playing like a second account for my kid and like got him all leveled up so she was playing two at once and then my daughter started noticing that you know what what mom and brother were doing all the time so she wanted in so now my four-year-old has her own like account and my wife's like juggling all three of these. It's it's a sickness. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting game in that uh, I actually know several people who don't have any interest in Pokemon as a franchise whatsoever, but they're completely <laughs> hooked on Pokemon Go, which, uh, yeah, they did a great job of, of kind of finding a, a very diverse audience for that game. Well, and it's funny because, you know, my house has been kind of a Petri dish for Game Freak, if you will, because... Pokemon Go was like the onboarding for my kids. And now my son has played Pokemon Shield. He's gotten my 3DS out so he can play uh, Sun and Moon. Um, they watch all the movies. They're into all the shows. They decided they were going to rewatch all the franchises that are on like Hulu and Netflix and all that. And they're super into it now. And it's hilarious because like listening to my four-year-old rattle off like what region X Pokemon is in and why this one's better. And this type's better than that type. And I'm like, you're four, what are you doing? Like, how do you know all this? But they're, they're hooked. They're in, you know, and it's, it's insane to me that what was it 25 years later, all of this still plays like this still works. Well, and it's funny is it's even more impressive now because it's like when I was a kid, you know, it's like there's only 151 Pokemon. And yeah. now your kid's like rattling off like 800 of them. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, I only had to memorize like 151 to be cool on the playground. Oh, so last week we were making a joke about what my favorite Pokemon was. And I said it was the one that was a set of keys because there's literally <laughs> a Pokemon that's a set of keys. And I told, I said that after we were recording and he's like, oh, Klefka. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you know the name of the Pokemon? There's just a set of keys. Like, how do you know this? It was, oh, it was astounding to me. And, and but, it's one letter away from Kefka from yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy. That's great. Exactly. Like, oh. uh, so good. But anyway, enough Pokemon talk. I know people are probably sick of us talking about Pokemon. <laughs> but, but hey, if we're not, you know, 40 and 30 year old men discussing Pokemon, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I okay, Justin. I don't even know how to read this next 
news story. So why don't you just take this? Because it's very confusing to me. Yes. All right. So um, this week, there. so there was a meme a while back of Ultra Instinct Shaggy that just kind of came online one day and kind of took over the internet for a couple days. It was all over Twitter and Facebook. And the general consensus of the meme is basically it's like Ultra Instinct Goku, but it's Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. And they took, like, from the live-action Scooby-Doo movie and stuff, uh, like, pictures and, like, interview, like, screenshots and stuff with, like, Matthew, I think his name's, like, Lillard or whatever, who played Shaggy. And it's about, like, him harnessing the power of Shaggy and how, like, the entire movie was just a manifestation using, like, 1% of his powers. And it just kind of spiraled out of there. And it became so popular that it caught the attention of uh, people who like work on like Mortal Kombat and they wanted to add Ultra Instinct Shaggy as a fighter in Mortal Kombat. And that got shot down, but uh, they thought it was funny. And I guess an animated Mortal Kombat movie just came out. And at the very end, when they have the WB logo, they have Scorpion come out and he's doing flips all over the screen and stuff. And then the WB logo opens and Ultra Instinct Shaggy standing there. And his hand reaches out and grabs Scorpion by the neck. And he's like, like, come here, man. And then rips him <laughs> in and scoops is behind him. And then the door just closes. And so they basically made Ultra Instinct Shaggy canon in the Mortal Kombat universe, which is hilarious. I'm looking at this right now. That is, yeah, just Shaggy <laughs> just with his hand wrapped around Scorpion's neck. That is, yeah, that is an image. The fact that it was a meme, though, that... Like, then tried to get integrated into the game, got shot down, but then somehow found its way into the Mortal Kombat universe anyway to make it canon is, like, fantastic. That is that, that is fantastic. Sometimes that just, is good. That just kind of sums up, I, I feel like, NetherRealm and Warner Brothers, how they're handling Mortal Kombat. It's like they, they it's just this weirdly evolving franchise at this point. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, who would have thought that it would be so relevant today you know after all the shock value stuff all the senate hearings in the 90s and everything and mortal Kombat is still a huge thing it's pretty impressive well and the uh it's it, it, you're right it's become this weird like pop culture catch-all now that mm-hmm. they've got like the, the the horror movie people and terminator and all these different characters that are in the in the mo- in the game now from movies um it's it's like I don't really know what they're doing with it. And then they've got their own movie that has its own thing and yeah, it's strange. That was that was a great movie though. I liked I liked Mortal Kombat even though Shannon crapped all over it. I was a little underwhelmed with the the most recent movie, but I did enjoy the animated one they put out a couple of years ago, the the Scorpion origin story. So I'll, I'll have to check out the new one. Okay, let let me pump the brakes a little it wasn't a good movie. Let me start. <laughs> let me start there. It was, but damn, it was fun. You know, like I love how they made Sub Zero like such oh, a badass. Yeah, Sub Zero was very cool. No pun intended in that movie. Yeah. I, I really liked that interpretation of him. And and there's a lot of questions like, how, why does Scorpion speak English when he says "get over <laughs> here"? It's like, sure, I have questions, <laughs> but it's it it's still it's just so it's just so damn fun. I liked it. Um, but uh. Well, speaking of movies, Steve, since we have you here, Justin thought it would be fun to talk uh, reboots with you of of horror movies since, you know, since that 
that uh, conveyor belt never seems to run empty. And, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, remakes, reboots of, of horror films are uh, something I'm very passionate about. I, they're, some of them are vastly superior to the original. Mm-hmm. And and we have more coming with like Halloween and stuff. Uh, which which by the way, can we just talk for a second? I absolutely love how th- with the latest iteration of Halloween, they basically went, "Hey, everything after Halloween never happened. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Like yeah, all the like twenty other movies just cut that shit right out. Like <laughs> they just treated it like Disney treated Star Wars novels. You know, like nope, none of it's canon. Throw it all in the trash. We're just oh, moving yeah. forward. And and I thought it was brilliant. It, it was, was just such like, a good yeah. decision. It was like yeah, we're just lopping off all this dead weight. You know, Buster Rhymes. Sorry, you're no longer a part of the universe. <laughs> oh. Like we're moving on. And and I thought it was brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, so we got that one coming. I think there's like two or three others that I'm blanking on right now that are well, right around the corner. The, the thing that triggered it for me is so the Candyman just came out. Right, and right. I I have not watched the trailer for Candyman. I know you were shitting on it a couple weeks ago about like how bad I thought you said you thought it looked. And it's funny because no, I thought I thought I, I swear I thought you said that like it looked like hot trash. No, no, no. I mean, I I like the I like the trailer. Like when the person's talking and the woman claps her hands and does the whole no thing. Like yeah, I'm, I'm I was with that. I thought that okay. was cool. It might have been someone else I'm thinking of then. I, I think but, the thing with the trailer that bothered me was the uh, what it was it the Destiny's Child song that you used in that it was a uh, a little suspect, but uh, yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie when it's available on demand. Yes. And I had heard it's actually really good. Mm -hmm. So that like has me excited for it. So then that's what made me think of, I'm like, well, I know there's been reboots that have not been good. So I figured we could talk about some of the good ones and then some of the bad ones. Looking at you child's play. Um, yeah. Oh, you so you didn't like the child's play? No, no, no. Dude, I hated it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm in the minority there. I thought it was I thought it was decent. It was far better than I expected it to be, at least. Um, it, I liked the angle with the uh, the technology that was used for the Chucky doll, and and I thought Mark Hamill did a pretty good job with the voice, and it was it was a fun time. No, I agree with you. I like I like how they solved the problem of getting there. You know, of like how okay, we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of move away from like voodoo mumbo jumbo, blah, 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 blah. We're going to like figure out like, how could this actually happen? And I thought it was clever, but it, it still was just, it, it's the problem I have with the original child's play. The whole thing's just so dumb. <laughs> child's play is a bizarre series. I mean, yeah. uh, speaking of, of remakes or reboots, it's, I really liked, uh, have any of you seen uh, curse of Chucky or cult of Chucky? No, no. The last, the last one I saw before that was the one with Jennifer Tilly. Okay, so that uh, was uh, yeah, either Bride of Chucky or Seed of Chucky. Yeah, yeah Bride uh, of Chucky, I think. Yeah. So, so they did something interesting with that series where after, after the theatrical ones uh kind of burned mm-hmm. out with Seed of Chucky, then they made a direct-to-video uh movie called uh, Curse of Chucky, I believe was the first one, and it's ostensibly a reboot. If you're watching the movie. Okay about three quarters of it, it just feels like kind of a watered down retread of the original movie. And then they just completely pulled the rug out from under you and you realize it's actually a sequel. So it's kind of like a soft reboot. They just kind oh. of trick you into thinking that it's, it's a reboot, but it's actually a canonical sequel to all the other movies. And yeah, uh, kind of, kind of like new nightmare, like how they, 
a little bit like that or yeah um, a little bit um it's it's just more i think they find they find a way to make it a standalone movie that's accessible okay. to anybody who's not familiar with the lore of the chucky doll and all of that but yeah it ended up being a lot more fun than i expected it to be yeah. and they they have a lot of clever nods to the original movies if you're a fan of those which and I, I totally get where you're coming from and thinking that they're a little over the top cheesy especially with like the voodoo angle and sure um, yeah I, I will say brad dwarf is just such a fun uh voice for chucky though he's he makes that character iconic for me because like, i think i i think i watched both of the straight to dvd ones because the one you're talking about is the one where yeah it seems like it's a reboot but then the doll, because the Chucky doll is, like, completely clean, like, fresh. Yes. But then they, like, peel it away, and you see all the original scars and stuff, and it's still the original doll, but was decorated like a new doll. Yes, yes, it's so silly. He's wearing basically a mask of himself to make <laughs> yeah. it look like he doesn't have all the scars. Yeah, I remember, oh, I remember fantastic. that. I was like, because then when they pull away, you see, like, the scar across the eye. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's it's so silly, but so much fun. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Okay, so let's talk let's talk reboots that completely worked. And and my first one out of the gate is 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. I thought that was a fantastic remake considering it was made at that point almost 30 years after the original. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an entire new audience that had never seen the original, maybe heard about it as this like cult movie or whatever, but had never seen it. And I think they did a great job of making Leatherface terrifying. I think they did a great job of capturing like the vibe of that house and, and being out in Texas and all that out and out on this, you know, stuck in the middle of nowhere uh, with this horrifying family. And uh, man, there was some good, it was just a good movie. I thought like it was, it was tense. It was good. I liked it. That's the one with Arlie Ermey, right? Um, Is he the, the, the patriarch of the family? I think. You would know better than me. That was a, that was the Jessica Biel one. Yeah. Okay, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. So, uh, I I had weird feelings on that because I really liked uh, the cinematography. I thought there, there were a lot of nice shots in it. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, I think the original movie is very undervalued for its cinematography. I think it's it, it's a it's gritty in the right way, and I, I think they nailed that with the remake. Sure. And uh, Marcus Nispel, the director, I, I have mixed feelings on him overall. Uh, similar to how I feel about the movie, I guess, but uh, he's at least a decent visual director. And he also did the Friday the 13th reboot, which is, uh, I think, kind of underrated for what it is. But yeah, I, I, I'm not, I have to admit, I'm not a fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot, but I only saw it one time. Um, I should actually revisit it because I think, I think, the, I, oh, think I think you'll find it holds up better than you think. It, it it actually kind of, it's a it's one of those movies that is pretty weirdly timeless. Mm. You know, there's not a lot of tech to date it. There's I not a lot that. of yeah. like there's not a lot of uh, 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 dialogue that dates it in in a lot of ways or anything like that. So it it holds up really well in that regard. And I liked the uh, casting for Leatherface a lot. Was it a yeah uh, yeah? He's just a big intimidating. He, oh, yeah. He's much more intimidating than he is in the other movies. Oh, yeah, he's just like, you know, seven foot tall, 400 pound dude that's just, you know, a, a walking monster who wears Ed Belfour's face at one point, which is rad. But, you know, it's good stuff. And um, I think last time I was on the podcast, uh, you recommended Texas Chainsaw 3D. 
Yeah. yeah. And I did, I did watch that afterwards and that was a blast. I, I, I very much uh, enjoyed that one. Yeah. It was one of those things you got where I was saying where it's like a Batman movie halfway yes. through. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so utterly good. ridiculous, but yeah. It's so dumb, but so great. Um, but yeah, like the, that remake has that classic setup of, you know, they're first getting in the house, they're exploring the wall flies open huge ass leather face on the other side sledgehammer crashes body hits the floor body gets drugged behind wall slams shut all in like 20 seconds mm -hmm. and it's the most like terrifying fast what the hell did i just see moment and and i think the way it's shot and the the direction of that whole sequence was fantastic and you know hooper was what wrote most of that movie also mm, like he's, okay. he's he's credited as there's there's i think there's like two or three uh credited writers on it but if Everything I've read said Hooper basically wrote it again and then had a couple guys clean it up. That's so. interesting. Yeah, I didn't know he had uh, any direct involvement with that that reboot. But uh, yeah, I'm very curious to rewatch it. It's it's worth your time. I think you'll find it find it very good. Yeah, I I feel like the Texas Chainsaw uh, just franchise in general is still such a unique thing. I mean, we've had other mm -hmm. movies in particular, uh, like Rob Zombie's take on horror is very clearly inspired by it with with kind of the emphasis on the sadism, I guess, sure. <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better term. But it's, I, I, I do really enjoy those movies for the most part. I, uh, two is a little too goofy for me. It's, it's, it goes too much into the comedy direction. Yeah. yeah. But three, I thought was really underrated. That's the one with Viggo Mortensen, which is mm -hmm. strange to watch now, but it, that was a really fun movie. And then four has like Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey yes. or something. And it's like, what the hell are you guys doing in this movie? Like, oh, yeah. The, the casting is so strange throughout those movies, but yeah, it's, it's, that's one that I'll have to uh, just watch from the beginning. All the movies in October. I think I might do that this year. But I think uh, I was the only person in the Lord of the Rings uh, in the theater for watching Lord of the Rings when Viggo Mortensen shows up on screen and goes like, Oh, it's Satan from prophecy. <laughs> uh, that's like the only movie oh, I knew prophecy, him from, yep. and I love the prophecy, love that movie. Uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty funny in that regard. Um, so yeah, what what are some other like theater release uh, remakes or reboots that that work for you, Steve? Uh, you know, it's going back a ways, uh, back to the '80s. But my my all time favorite is The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. I uh, th that's a movie that. I, I might even say is my favorite horror movie ever. And it's, it's just such a brilliant reimagining of the fifties oh, yeah. thing from another world. And I mean, just sets the bar. Like Cronenberg's mm. been chasing that movie ever since. You know, yes, it's... Yeah. Just the goopiest, grossest <laughs> practical effects you can find. It, it, it's held up perfectly in that regard. Uh, just great performances. It's man, that, that movie is just, utterly brilliant I, I love everything about it but um i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of the 50s version i, I think it, it captures the sense of paranoia well mm. but i i just think it's a little bit dry and boring personally and I, I know the the remake wasn't all that well received initially i think it it was kind of looked down on and, and people thought it was just kind of like a gross out yeah, uh, very shallow film and it's it's anything but and I mean, that movie's a lot, you know, like that, that, so we've, and we're watching it after seeing all the stuff that's been inspired by it. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like, oh, that movie was great because it does X, Y, and Z where, man, you're coming from like, you know, Star Wars. And now you're going into the thing like that's that's intense. That's a yep. lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still pretty shocking by today's standards. And uh, mm-hmm. oh, the scene with the dog. <laughs> it's, yeah. well, if you're I an mean, animal lover, that one hits hard. The uh, the chest opening is the one that always gets me where I love it. Yep. It's, yeah. The, the blood test. There's just so many good uh, jump scares that are done right. Where uh, I, I'm not a fan of jump scares in general, but that, that movie really, really handles them well. And then, okay, so let me ask you, at the end, but is one of them the thing? I believe so, yeah. I, so, I, have you played the video game adaptation of the thing? No, I, for, ne- I never did. So that that's an interesting thing in that it, it actually operates as a sequel to the movie. So it kind of uh, okay. spoils the ending of the movie in a way and it, that I'm not, I'm not too fond of that. I kind of like the ambiguity of the ending. I... I always kind of looked at it like one of them is absolutely possessed by the thing and it's not a happy ending, but okay. uh, yeah, the, the video game takes off from there and you, and you find out what happened to those two characters. Interesting. Well, now I kind of want to play it. It's not bad. Not, not bad at all. I, I, I wonder how it's held up, but at, at the time I, um, it was an interesting experiment. Just, Justin, jump on in here. What, what's, what's a reboot that you are, you, you'll uh, cape for on so, this podcast. One of my favorites has to be uh, the My Bloody Valentine 3D. Um, I love the original movie. And it's just funny because it's like, you know, it's like there's not 10 of them. It's like there's literally just like one. And it's kind of like not a lot of people really like know about it. like Minor Town and stuff. And there's this dude in like a mining mask and helmet and like a pickaxe and stuff basically like carving people's hearts out and putting them in boxes and delivering them to people. Um, All right. And the when they rebooted it, this came out around the time where, like, 3D was, like, pretty much brand new. Like, there was, like, Avatar and then maybe, like, a couple other movies that had come out Cla- in 3D. Clash, so. of, Clash of the Titans, which was awful. Yeah. Drive yeah. angry. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Now, there's a movie I haven't thought of in uh, years, at least. But, yeah. Um. So yeah, it came out around that time. And I remember like going to see it like the night it came out and stuff. It really it was just so much fun and like took a lot from the original. It looked good. Like the 3D, you know, it like was did like the cheesy 3Ds, which like throws the pickaxe and it comes right at you and gets like stuck kind of in the screen. Nice. It's like in like your glasses and stuff. And so it was just a fun time and stuff. And I always thought that kind of always set the bar for me in terms of like reboots and stuff where it was really faithful to the original, but um, also brought like some new stuff to it to make it kind of its own movie. Yeah. That's what I really uh, regretted not seeing in the theater. I, I think that would have been really fun to see with the proper 3d effect. I, I, I think I just got it from Redbox at home and it's, it's very strange watching those 3d movies. Uh, if they don't do the transfer, right. Sometimes it just, seems like overly bright on home video uh, right, because I think right, they try to yeah. balance out the darkness that it, it yeah, it's, it was a strange thing, but I, I love the original movie. That's, that's one of my favorite slasher flicks. I, you know, it's one that I've never seen. I might have to uh, find it on a streaming service here because you have me interested now. Yeah. So it's, it's um, from what I remember, it was very heavily censored at the time. Like they, they cut out a lot of the, of the gore but you should be able to find a restored version it, i think those are 
floating around, uh, mm-hmm. a bit more accessible now. Now, now, Justin, let me ask you: with the remake, the 3D one, is it would it be worth watching at home now, or is it going to be like when you watch, you know, Jaws 3D or like Piranha 3D, <laughs> where it's like, okay, I can see what the effect would have been in the theater, but this is just really stupid. I mean, it's one of those where I think you're still going to see, like, you're going to be like, oh, like, the effect was here. Like, I mean, that's going to happen. I think with most of the 3D, like, like movies like that and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I still think even not seeing it in 3D, it would still, like, be a good movie. Okay. So I still think you'd enjoy it. It still plays, you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I also uh, just wanted to, like, I had another one on my list that, it's one of my, like, guilty pleasure kind of movies, because I, it's not one that'd be like, oh, dude, you need to watch this, but House of Wax is always, like, one of my favorites. <laughs> like, it's just so stupid with Paris Hilton in it, and then My Chemical Romance is playing during the credits and stuff. It's just such, nice. like, a funny time. But it's, like, any time it's on or, like, whatever, I always watch it, because it's, like, I wouldn't say it's a good movie, but it's just fun to watch every single time. And that it one's is really... an absolute. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna say it is an absolute time capsule of a movie. That is mm-hmm. very true. And it's it's kind of an interesting one too, in that it's a remake in name only. It it really has nothing to do with the Vincent Price House of Wax. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to watch the two and see how they handle like uh that premise so differently. Mm-hmm. And 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 to Justin's point, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Like, it's not really scary at all, but it's it's one of those, like, kind of, it, it almost feels like an amusement park ride, like yeah. a haunted house amusement park ride, you know, where it's like, it, was, it wasn't really scary, but at the end of it, you're like, oh, that was fun. That was entertaining. And it's like, mercifully, an hour and 28 minutes or something. Oh, you know, it's, it's very a, short. It's so nice when movies are uh, respectful of the audience's time. That's <laughs> I know. Uh, Especially when they're movies like that. It's like, okay, you're not telling the world's greatest story here. You know, like, let's just, let's, let's have some fun and wrap it up. That's, that's always been my problem with some of the Rob Zombie movies. He gets way up his own ass on some of this stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses. I don't need 20 shots that are all Dutch tilt and crazy angled. And yes, let's, you know, pan out for 30 seconds before this guy shoots this dude. Like, that's just stupid. It's like, come on, like keep the story moving you know can we get to dr satan please agreed um, yep <laughs> have you seen yeah. uh lords of salem i mean we're getting off track a little bit with this one uh, but it, I, I thought that was um surprisingly decent for and, and restrained for rob zombie it's like him kind of yeah scaling back a bit and and being a little bit more patient and yeah it, it's it's worth watching once at least is lords I'll, I'll of be... Sa- is lords of salem the one where it's his wife turning into a witch. That's the one. Yeah. So it's uh, God, a, little... I did not, I did not like that. <laughs> I, 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 t- I totally understand that. I, I thought it was kind of an interesting, uh, maybe kind of an homage to uh, Ken Russell movies. It's just, it's, it's very different in tone from his other things. So uh, yeah, it, it, I, I totally understand Justin's uh, distaste for it, but if, if you're on the fence with Rob Zombie, give it a chance. You might enjoy it. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I tapped out after whatever. What was the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses? Oh, uh, uh, Devil's Rejects. See, yeah, I like I, Devil's I, Rejects. I Me too. <laughs> I tapped out after Devil's Rejects. I was like, I, I couldn't. You know, it's one of those. It, it's kind of like uh, the How I Met Your Mother episode with the the glass shattering. 
it's like once I realized what I was watching, which was basically like Rob Zombie trying to fit every directorial trick he could into everything he does. I it's all I could see. I, I couldn't watch the movie anymore. I was just like, why are you doing that angle? Why are you panning that? It's why very you... self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like it, it became I couldn't I couldn't enjoy the movie. All I was doing was critiquing the directing the entire time. And I was just like, it, this is stupid on multiple levels for me, for him, like everything. Like, I just need to tap out. You know, I'll, I'll take the L on that one. And that's what's funny, like going to like switching over to like bad, like flop reboots. Like, that's one of the reasons why I did not like I liked Rob Zombie's first Halloween reboot. Mm-hmm. I did not like the second one. And one of the main reasons I did not like the second one is because he, like, basically forced his wife into the movie as, like, Michael's, like, dead mom. And I'm like, dude, I do not like his wife as, like, a main character. <laughs> like, he has the same problem, like, Kevin Smith with his daughter when he tries to put hers in the like, I'm like, dude, she cannot act. Like, I watched yeah. Yoga Hosers, and I was like, I got, like, 20 minutes in that <laughs> fucking movie and then shut it off. And I'm like, dude, like, I, she's fine as, like, a background character. Like, I'm sure she's going to be in Clerks 3. I'm like, please just make her, like, a customer, and she's, like, in there for three minutes and then fucks off. Like, I don't need, like, an entire series of dialogue from her, dude. I do not like them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I cannot stand Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. I think they just missed the point entirely. And, yeah, going back to, to what you're saying about part two, the the obsession with his mother and making mm-hmm. Michael Myers a, a cannibal rapist in that movie. It's just, it's horrible. It's such a, such a crap movie. Ugh. I hate oh. everything about it. Yeah, a complete, like, bastardization of the character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and also, to, to your point, Steve, I think you just hit it. If you, you just summed up what I never really was able to figure out why I, I didn't like it. Unnecessary. You don't need that for Michael Myers. Like, it misses no. the point. Like, the point of Michael Myers is you don't know his motivations. He's mm-hmm. insane and unstoppable. And that's all you need to know. Yeah, he, and it's referred to as a void for a reason explaining why he became evil is yeah completely contrary to what that character should be in my mind yeah it's like if you want that go watch pieces you know like, you <laughs> yes <laughs> just watch pieces anyway let's yeah. be honest yeah. <laughs> yeah if you if you want to if you want to have a good time just go watch some pieces um but uh well one that's a franchise that straddles the line and i see justin put it on for his successes was dawn of the dead which I still maintain that from the fall of civilization to when they get to the mall is the best zombie movie I've ever seen. It kind of falls apart after that, but the first half of that movie is so strong Mm -hmm. that it carries the entire movie. Um, Was it day of the dead that came after that? Holy crap was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Well, and that's why I think I put it on as a success because after that, it does not get better for the of the dead movies. Like that was like pretty much like the top of the roller coaster. But, and well, then that, that's why I said like talk about one that straddles the line of both is <laughs> Dawn of the Dead is totally in the success. Everything after that, well, Day of the Dead is unwatchable. Day of the Dead is Land of the Dead is is way better than Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead is unwatchable. Like it is atrocious. And I know Steve's going to come at me and be like, no, 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 it's actually okay. No, that, no I, I agree. I think that's one of the worst uh, horror movies I've ever watched was the Day of the Dead remake. So, <laughs> yes, I feel vindicated. Steve agrees with me. It's awful. It's, oh, man. Yeah, it's just it's unwashably bad. But I, I am a big fan as well of, of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's easy to forget, too, how much uproar there was when 
people saw the trailers at the time and saw the fast moving zombies. Oh was, yeah. Uh, not well received. And then the movie turned out to be excellent. And and the thing is, it makes a lot more sense. If you just died, you're not all rigor mortis yet. You, you'd be able to move. Like it makes sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good remake in that it, it it's not just trying to be the original again. It, it has its own ideas. It has a very different sort of intensity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's much more of an actual horror film or horror action film than, than the original, which is kind of more about the social commentary and everything and, and sure. And the characters interacting with each other. It's, I love the original, but I, I feel like the remake complements it very well. Oh, and that opening uh, attack it, where the little girl attacks him in the bedroom and then the husband dies <laughs> and, like, it's, it's so intense. And then she gets out through the bathroom and you just see like the fall of civilization. Like the ambulance runs the dude over. The guy's in the middle of the street just shooting people at random. Like everything's on fire and burning. And it's just like, holy shit, what just happened? And yeah, I thought it was such a great opening. Like yeah. fantastic yeah. opening. And it's funny because, like, I just rewatched a 40 year old virgin not that long ago. And there's a scene in that movie where they work at the electronics store and they have the Dawn of the Dead movie and stuff on uh, in the background. So he's like, watch it, like the bedroom scene. He's like, don't go in there. And the dude's the neck. He's like, oh, shit. He's like, like, screaming in the middle of the store. You play Yama be there one more time. Yama burn this place now. So good. So good. All right. Well, what's in any other one big flop that other than the Day of the Dead that gets the Steve I hate this movie stamp of approval? Because there aren't many of them. you. You okay. have a lot. You, I've said this on Twitter, and I, I liked it because people that know you agreed with me. Your bad movie quotient is a <laughs> lot wider than most people like you, you are far more accepting of a bad movie than a lot of people so if some if you say something actually is bad like it's it's atrocious oh, so yeah. I, I i'm so curious now i'm so proud to hear that but there there is a remake that i uh i might even like less than day of the dead and that's the nightmare on elm street remake oh that's okay is i haven't i haven't i haven't watched it because i just didn't want to but oh uh, yes it, it's another example of something that's trying to be too similar to the original. And it just, it, it, it whiffs every step of the way. It's just, it's so bad. It's, it's got an unlikable cast. Um, I, I, I'm not even really against the, the new version of Freddy Krueger. I think he looks a lot scarier, uh, it, mm-hmm. but he just has no personality as a villain. He just, he just doesn't work. It had really bad shoddy CG. It's just, it's just a bad uh, well, remake. With and I'm no sorry, like, ideas. if it's not Robert England, it's not Freddie. Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's agree. just, it's just that talk about a guy that is a character. And I just, I'm not able to accept another one in my life. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> and that, that was my biggest complaint about the movie. It was one, it's like, he wasn't like very Freddie, but two, like nothing really like Freddy Krueger wise happens until like the last like five seconds of the movie like when he like comes out of the mirror and like grabs her like that was like the most freddy thing and then but that's when it ends and i'm like dude you saved like the actual freddy krueger thing for the very end and then now the movie's over (laughs) thanks a lot the one idea that the movie had uh, it doesn't handle well at all which is that they try to make you uh wonder if maybe freddy krueger was innocent all along maybe he was uh 
he was uh, blamed Brain. wrongly <laughs> yeah, for, for these child killings. And by the end, you figure out, like, oh, no, he actually did do it all. It's like, well, what's the point? It, it was just completely a waste of time to watch that movie. And unfortunately, uh, the, the Jackie Earl Haley version of Freddy Krueger is what we got in Mortal Kombat. We didn't even get Robert England in that, which is a travesty of its own. Yeah, it's just... I I I made the choice early that I wasn't going to do that, and uh, I I feel very good uh, in my yeah. in my decision. Not even worth checking out if you're morbidly curious. It's just it is a waste of time. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that that's probably the one that I hate the most. There's other really bad, uh, unnecessary re- reboots such as Poltergeist. Uh, one that I would say is is worth watching to laugh at though is Dario mm. Argento's Dracula 3D. That's, okay, I didn't know that existed, but uh, all right, I'm I'm on board. It is a lot of silly fun. It's trashy. It's got the bad 3D where it, everything looks really ridiculously fake. It, all the sets look very cheap because everything is so well lit that you can just see all the flaws in the, in the sets. And nice. uh, all I have to say about that movie is that at one point Dracula turns into a giant praying mantis to kill somebody. And uh, yeah, that's that's, that's pretty much all you need to know. Yeah, yeah, I think that is all I need to know. <laughs> I think I'm on board. Like, um, uh, oh, oh, how was the Suspiria remake? I never saw that. You know, um, that's actually one of my favorites, and it's it's another one where I think it complements the original. Mm-hmm. It it's almost the opposite. Um, the original is very garishly lit. You have all the vibrant colors, uh, intense loud music all the time. The, the the reboot is very subdued, has kind of like a, a dull color palette, extremely long and slow moving. Uh, you have like a Tom York score, which is doesn't always work um, all that well, okay. but it, it's kind of an interesting direction to take with it. And actually like it uh, less when it when it becomes a full on horror movie, when the last 20 minutes or so are, are ridiculously bloody, but it's just not it. it it doesn't really feel earned, I guess, but I, I think it's a really interesting movie and I think it's going to, uh, I think it'll be looked very fondly upon, um, years from now. But worth, worth seeing, you think? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. it's, yeah, just, just make sure that, uh, you're in the mood for something very slow moving. Okay, cool. Um, it, it's not on the outline, but I, I'm just curious if either one of you have an answer off the top of your head. What's, what's something from like the last, 10 years that you think would be a good candidate for a reboot or a remake, maybe something that didn't have the budget that you think if something threw a lot more money at it would be a lot stronger or, or just something that kind of fell between the cracks and like should get back out there. Hmm. Anything, anything jump into mind on you guys? Uh, Like one of the first ones I can think of, I'm trying to remember what the movie's called. It's the one um, it had Frankie Muniz in it with the video game, where video. Uh, there was the game develop like game developer dude developed this like horror game oh, haunted they... house thing, and this friend died, and then they like get the game and they play it, and then they have to go to the actual house that the oh, game was oh, based oh, off oh, of. Oh, oh, are you talking about? <sighs> it's like mm. it's called Game Something. Game Box or something was that the one, or is that Frankie something different? Stay, Muniz. stay alive, stay alive. Yes, yes, that's yeah. it. Stay alive. Yeah, and it was like if you die, you actually die. 
or something. Yeah, and then there yeah. was like an uncut version of it where then you watch the DVD version and it's like Frankie Muniz says like fuck like every other word <laughs> for <laughs> some reason. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna need to add this one to my list. Yeah, no, dude, I'm sure the CG in it probably looked, I mean, it didn't even look great then, but if you just looked up pictures of it and stuff, it probably looks terrible now. Because this movie came out when I was in high school, so it was like 2006. Yep, that's when it came out. All right. What about, what about you, Steve? Ah, you know, that that's a really tough question. I really, well, a movie that I feel like uh, I liked for the most part, but uh, had a lot of missed opportunities was The Mist. Uh, mm. I know that's mm-hmm. kind of become a bit of a fan favorite at this point, but I, I'd really like to see uh, another take on that. <laughs> um, I wasn't... Bad I, ending. I, Oof. Uh, yeah, the, the ending is a bit divisive. I, I have to admit I'm on the side of, of not really liking it. I think it's mean-spirited, a little too mean-spirited even for that story. And... Kind of like the original ending of The Descent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and... Where it's like, man, that's just... It didn't need to end like that. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, the, the descent. I I really I like that ending. I think that's appropriately dark. Whereas I think in the mist, uh, the ending kind of proves the crazy prophet lady to be right <laughs> that mm-hmm. everybody should have stayed put in the store. I know that's kind of the point of the ending. I just it didn't work for me. It just put a left a bad taste in my mouth. But um, I really really adore the Stephen King story, the novella that it's based on. So I would. Sure. Uh, I, I know they made a TV series on Spike TV that was not well received at all that ran for one season, I think, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see another, another take on that. Maybe just a, a full reboot, maybe go in a different direction and maybe not make it uh, just a complete adaptation of the story. Give, give me the eight episode, six episode mini series of the long walk. That's what I want. Give me that. <laughs> like, talk about a talk about a story. That's a goddamn story right there. If you've never read uh, Stephen King, aka Richard Bachman's The Long Walk, read that one because it very apt in today's America. By the way, huh? yeah, I'll, I'll check that. I, that's one of the few Bachman ones I, I have not. Oh, read. you haven't read that? No, no. Oh I my god, it's Steve, I'm so excited. <laughs> you should read that. Like, and then we can talk about it because holy crap, that's a that's a hell of a story. Gonna, and I can add it to my Kindle right away. I think you, of all people I know, would would adore that story. It's it's fantastic. Um, my mine that I would remake just to get it back out in front of people, or at least reboot it or something. Uh, Babadook. Babadook. Oh, Babadook is so good. Criminally yeah. underseen. Yeah. Like it's... it is astounding to me when I'm talking to people and they have no idea what that movie is. I'm like, how have you missed one of the best movies of the last 10 years? Like Babadook is fantastic. And, and, it, and then you show them the meme of the kid in the backseat screaming <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I know this movie. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the meme of the person that showed up to the Halloween party dressed as a Babadook and no yeah. one else is dressed up. As anything. Yeah. Oh but, man. Yeah. The, uh, the Babadook, it, that, that movie is genuinely upsetting at times. It's just so stressful mm. to watch, but so well done. Totally. Did I ever talk to you about uh, the lure, Steve? I don't believe so. It's not ringing a bell. Oh, have you have you ever seen it? It's the, no, it's basically like the super crazy Little Mermaid story, where uh, the the mermaid is essentially like a horrific killer. I'm looking it up and, right now. Uh, 2015 Polish horror musical film, huh? <laughs> yeah, it it's something, man. <laughs> it's it's good, but 
it is one of those movies when that when it when the credits roll, you're like, what the hell did I just watch? But in like a good way. Yeah, I you am know? intrigued. It's, I will definitely yeah. check that one out. And and knowing your viewing habits, I think the lure <laughs> would uh, definitely appeal to you. Yeah, it's weird uh, is up my alley. That's for certain. Have you ever seen it, Justin? Because I think you would love it too. No, like when you brought it up, I was like, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's it, it's essentially like it. It's a the Little Mermaid story. If the if the mermaids were what uh, old naval stories from the 17 and 1600 said mermaids were, which is cannibals that lure men to the deaths. And <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's really fun. Um, well, we can. I, we've spent way too long discussing bad horror movies, but and <laughs> and and knowing the three of us, we could do it for hours more. But we should probably move on. Um, should we talk a little bit about what we've been playing? Uh, Steve, you're, you are our guest, so why don't you kick off our weekly consultation? Are you playing anything decent? Sure. Um, well, yeah, aside from Genshin Impact, which we discussed earlier, <laughs> yes. which, yeah, it's just become a daily addiction of mine. Uh, the, the game that I went back to recently that I would highly recommend if you enjoy visual novels is Deathmark, which is, uh, I think, pretty much available on on. Let's see, it's on Switch, it's on Vita, it's on PS4. It's it's a very interesting horror visual novel that um, it's a little bit on the intense side in terms of the uh, graphic content. So that, okay. just, a, just a bit of a warning. There's some, uh, some scenes that are, some images that are a little bit sexually charged that I don't think really fit with the tone of the game very well, but that's really there's only a handful of them. And aside from that, it's just, it's a really good atmospheric horror story about kind of, kind of an urban legend that sort of thing. Somebody awakens and they have a mark on their hand and basically they have like three days to live and they have to solve a mystery of a ghost that branded them with this mark in order to get rid of it. And uh, yeah, that's just highly recommended. They made a sequel called NG a few years ago. I haven't played mm-hmm. that yet, but um yeah, uh, Deathmark is is becoming kind of a, a Halloween staple of mine. It's every every September we we set up all the Halloween stuff around the house and and start playing horror games, watching horror movies, and yeah, that one's it, it has a really great soundtrack. It's yeah, just the right sort of atmospheric for, and it, it's also not too long for a visual novel. It's probably twenty to thirty hours, which is actually on the short side for that genre, but. Um, yeah, that's that's the big one I've been playing recently. I'm looking at the uh, some screenshots and the art looks really good. It looks like it's almost like Fatal Frame meets like Shinigami Tensei, like yes, with the art yeah. style. Me- yeah, it's like Phoenix Wright or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, it's got a very striking art style, and 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 I really like the the design of the ghosts. Uh, it almost becomes like an RPG when you encounter the ghosts, and you have to hmm. um, you have to use your inventory in a very particular manner or else you'll get like a bad ending to it. So it's, yeah, just a very uh, clever visual novel. And, and yeah, one of my, one of my favorite recent horror experiences. And I think it's nice that you lie to us and tell us that you, you know, take down your Halloween decorations (laughs) at some point. Uh, You got me. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a time you're not playing horror games and watching horror movies. It's just a couple months, we have a few more horror uh, decorations <laughs> out than usual. Yeah. But yeah. 
What I think's funny is Zach's kind of calling the kettle black there with a uh, <laughs> Halloween decoration stand up year round. Yeah, well, I do have a eight foot tall Halloween T Rex that has stayed in my front yard all year. So we decorate it uh, right now. It's got a summer outfit. It's got like a Hawaiian shirt on and some sunglasses. So uh, have, you, have you seen that uh the giant skeleton that kind of became a meme a yeah, while back? We uh, I was so bummed. So we were going to. So we got this one from Home Depot. It was like a clearance item. It was like a $400 lawn decoration that they had down to like 50 bucks on clearance. And it came in like a broken box and everything. But we were like, who cares? I'm never going to take it down. So we just paid the 50 bucks. And then that skeleton was about the same deal. I want to say it was $350 or something like that. And there was one on clearance for 80 bucks. And I was like, sweet, let's get it. Because we have these two massive trees in our front lawn and I had this whole plan that I was going to have the skeleton like up in one of the trees you know and, and everything and uh, and then when we got there someone had already bought it even though Aww. we put it on hold someone didn't see it and sold it to them anyway no oh that's such I a shame I was so bad I was so bad I had this whole scheme for my T-Rex <laughs> and giant skeleton and I was so bummed but oh, that would have been amazing yes we we, we do celebrate uh, our our skeleton decorations around these parts so oh and um going back to to games i mm-hmm. actually haven't played yet but i'm going to start t- tonight uh, i just picked up tormented souls for uh, the playstation 5 which uh believe it or not is not a dark souls ripoff it's it's in the vein of uh mid-90s survival horror so kind of more like resident evil or silent hill oh okay um, yeah very very excited to start that one out but um, I, I kind of ignored it initially based on the title because I was 100% certain it was just a Dark Souls clone. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, that one looks promising. You know what? Uh, I don't know if you play, sur- like, not survival horror games, but actual survival games like The Raft or anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh, there's a horror one I, I was messing around with for a while called The Forest. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's one that's um, on my list of games to play. Uh, probably this year I'll, I'll get around to that one. Finally. I, I think I own it on uh, PSN, but haven't played it. Okay. Yet. Yeah. I picked it up on a steam sale for like seven bucks or something like that, but it was, uh, it's good. Like when, when you start digging around and all of a sudden the mutants find you for the first time, mm-hmm. it's one of those like, Holy crap moments. And it, it does the, it does the thing where it ratchets up tension in a real fun way. And, and you feel like you have a chance so like, I hate the games where it's just like, oh, you're dead because there's nothing you can do. It's like, no, it's going to drop it on you. And you should it doesn't seem to hand you stuff you can't handle. Hmm. Like if you've been paying attention, you should be OK, but it's easy to get overwhelmed. That's the and, thing. And those survival games are already uh, so stressful as it is so that that lends itself yeah, perfectly uh, to a horror vibe. But it, it, yeah, it's one of those things where you you have to kind of be locked in to stay alive. It's you know like I playing Sub Zero or, or or Subnautica or something like that. Uh, you can kind of just your mind can wander for a while. You're like oh, I'm just going to take a long boat ride over here and figure mm-hmm. it out. It's like no, you can't do that with the forest. It'll it'll get you if you do. So it. It's one of those things that when you get to it, I, I think you'll you'll dig it. And I am watching the trailer for Tormented Souls right now, and holy crap, this game looks messed up. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it has a really good uh, really good tone to it. It looks like so that is a hundred percent in my wheelhouse, and I am so excited to play it. 
Yeah, this person waking up in a tub and pulling like an eight foot long tube out of their mouth looks pretty intense. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Oh, I'm I'm excited to hear about this because this looks pretty rad, actually. So, uh, Justin, what have you been playing? So the main thing I've been playing this week, which I've been playing it all day today, is Psychonauts 2. Yeah, so that's all I've been playing too. So I figured I'd I'd jump in there with you. Um, where are you? Because I just finished the casino. Okay. I'm so I'm I'm probably about four hours or so past that at this point. Okay. Um, and that game just keeps getting better, man. Like it's it's really cool. Like it keeps giving you abilities. It keeps giving you fun levels. Like the levels all seem to be themed when you go in the doors and people's minds. Um, it's. Uh, well, I, I talked about it a little bit last week, but I'll, so I'll let you kind of give your impressions. But I'm I'm loving the game. Like, I'm really shocked with how much I like it. So, yeah, I mean, I've been here like I know a bunch of people, including you and stuff that are playing it right now. So I was like, yeah, dude, I'll, it's on Game Pass. You know, I've had it downloaded on there for a while. I just hadn't had a chance to play it. So I was like, let me just hop on here and check it out. And yeah, no, I mean, the. The writing is like really fun. Like, there's a lot of really like funny jokes. Like the the Autobahn one made me chuckle. Mm-hmm. It's the, yeah, I was like that's pretty clever. And uh, you know, it's just a good 3D platformer. Like, there's like I like there's nothing where I'm like, oh, dude, like this jumps kind of bullshit or like anything like that. Like the fighting's fun. Um, it can be challenging at times. Like uh, in front of the casino when you have the big sensor dude. And then the little things throwing bombs yeah. and stuff. Like I was getting my ass handed to me at the entry, I... the entry to the hospital there. Yeah. 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 That fight, that fight took me a while to figure out too. Yeah. I was getting my ass beat until I realized I was like, Oh, I was like, I could either a use the little psychic laser thing to blow up the bombs. So I quit mm-hmm. running into them. I was like, or B I can also use my hand, grab them and then chuck them. <laughs> Yeah. It's just, once I like realized that I was like, oh, okay. So then I was just running around like blasting everything. And uh, it was a lot like I've been playing it on the, I have the original Xbox one, okay. which is what I'm playing it on. And dude, on the original Xbox one, dude, the load times are so bad. Like, um, especially like just loading the game. Like, I mean, you're sitting for probably like a good, I'd say almost two minutes. Oh, like Jesus, just really? yeah, no, no, just to start the game, and then between like there's times where it's like goes from cutscene, you know, into like another cutscene, like loaded at the point, but it's supposed to be fairly seamless. But on the Xbox One, it, like plays it, and then there's like a hard pause where it's just frozen on the screen, and then it's like three seconds in, and then all of a sudden it like snaps into the other cutscene and stuff. So you can tell That's it rough. definitely was not optimized for the uh the original x and there was one time during the uh casino boss fight um i beat the boss and then during the cutscene, the game hard crashed on me mm-hmm. and then i was like god damn it so then i rebooted it and then it was like right before the boss again so i luckily the boss fight doesn't take that long especially if you know what you're doing and you just skip the cutscene, like the cutscene breaks like in between the boss fight I was able to catch back up really quick, but it was still kind of like, I was like, God damn it, dude. Like, it kind of takes you out of it, you know, because I'm like, got kicked out of the game, and then now I have to, like, wait the two minutes for it to, like, reload me back in. I'm like, oh. But then are actually... You, you, play- I was going to oh. say, have you tried playing it on PC at all? Like, uh, to move I have, save over there? I haven't tried playing it on the PC yet. Okay. Uh, I'm probably going to 
just finish it on the Xbox, but I probably will boot it up on my laptop just to see, like, the difference between load times. Because um, it's, like, funny. Like, I went on YouTube and, like, looked up because I missed the cutscene or whatever from the one fight, so I went on YouTube to see that cutscene all the way through, and mm -hmm. it was funny seeing their load time, because I'm assuming they were playing it on PC, like, instantly, like, that <laughs> yeah, was done, totally. and I was like, dude, I was, like, sitting there, like, on Twitter for 40 seconds while I waited for it to load. Um, but, no, it was, it's really fun so far, and that's what's pretty funny, is after the podcast, uh, Megan was watching me play it, and then when I went to go get dinner, she's like, you're not playing the game anymore. And I was like, well, I need to go pick up dinner. And she's like, well, are you going to play it when you get back? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I have the podcast. And she's like, well, are you going to play it after the podcast? I'm like, yes, I'll play it after the <laughs> so she really, She's like invested in the story and like wants to watch me like play it. So That's my wife with Yakuza Zero right now. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I still need to play Like a Dragon. I really want to get to that game. Um but the uh, yeah, the story for Psychonauts 2 is is fantastic. It 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 goes it's going in really good places. And I feel pretty strong about their ability to land the ending just because they're landing the endings in the little vignettes very strongly. Like you'll finish out like, like when you finish the casino level, I came away from that feeling very strong about the rest of the game. I'm like, OK they nailed this and they, the tone at the end of it was perfect. And like, it goes really well with the, uh, the mental vault you find in the level to kind of explain, uh, the, the, the boss's side of the story and why she has the thought process she has at the end of it and everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, and, and I feel, I feel like they're handling everything with the right amount of decorum, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, I also, like one of my favorite moments from the casino was the uh, the skeleton husband and wife that want the kid. Yeah. Where it's yeah. rich rich dad and rich mom and stuff, and then they're like, when they you finally give them the baby, and like, oh my god, like yes, our own little walking set of extra kidneys. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, dude, I can't wait for the tax deductions I'm gonna get. And you're like, kind of yeah. standing there like, uh, <laughs> like I'm glad this isn't a real child and this is just a mind manifestation or yeah. whatever. And I was like, God, that's so good. Like, I can't wait to have, like have a tax shelter. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's, that got dark fast. Like, geez. But, but yeah, Psychonauts 2 is fantastic. Uh, you you playing anything else, Justin? Or? No, that's it. But I, I'm going to say right now, I'm thinking that somewhere on my top 10, Psychonauts 2 is probably going to be on there. Yeah. I'm, like, it, calling it right now. It's like, um, unless the game throws up all over itself, I just can't see it not being in my top 10. It's just, it plays so good. It just play it, like... It's it's probably the best just pure platformer I have played in years, like just from a gameplay standpoint. And like I said last week, it it amazes me because they've been making this game for a decade and that always is bad. That's yeah. always a, that's always a tire fire. Anytime. I was just going to say it, it makes me so happy to hear that it turned out well, because, uh, yeah, that, that I was not optimistic about it uh, a few years ago. Yeah, me either. And, and I liked the first Psychonauts a lot. And it just, I don't know, there's something about it that, that they, they've they nailed. So, uh, Steve, if you haven't picked that one up, I would, it's on Game Pass, I would yeah, definitely make it. I have it downloaded on Game Pass, I haven't started it yet, but yeah, it, I've only heard positive things about it so far, so uh, great to hear. It's It's been one of my best surprises of the year, for sure. Yeah, um, it's really easy to get into and i'm i get i'm also surprised with like all the like level like it's really easy and you feel really accomplished to get like 
the stuff to like you know level up your powers and stuff and you feel like you're constantly like upgrading stuff which always feels really good yeah when you start to level up your melee and you can actually do some real damage and stuff like that it it feels really nice to get combos off and stuff like that so absolutely a winner of a game so far um well want to talk a little what if spoilers or have we run too long justin what do you think Dude, I'm thinking we got some room for some what if spoilers because this right. episode this episode was a banger, so I'm kind of <laughs> excited to talk about it. All right, all right. I want to I want to hear about this. Uh, you said it's a Doctor Strange one. That's the really dark yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So I before we before we started the episode uh, in the pre-show, I was talking referring to this as the Lars von Trier of <laughs> what if episodes because goddamn this one was bleak and. So the whole premise behind this episode was what if Dr. Strange lost his heart and not his hands? And in this scenario, Christine, the other doctor, uh, dies in the car wreck with him. He doesn't injure his hands in the car wreck, but she dies. And in this world, they are openly in love with each other. And he uh, that's what leads him on his journey to study the mystic arts was he's trying to find a way to save her. And... Uh, things still unfold. He still becomes Dr. Strange. He still becomes the uh, Sorcerer Supreme. But then uh, he finds a way to potentially bring her back. And there's a moment where Wong is like, hey man, that, that only leads to trouble. Why don't you come have some tea with me and like put that, put that down. And in, within this timeline, it splits into two where one Doctor Strange goes and gets tea. The other Doctor Strange says, nope, and goes to uh, this mystical building where he then studies for centuries, uh, becoming completely obsessed and devouring mythical creatures to gain their powers and turns into a giant monster uh, in order to save Christine. And uh, Justin, want to pick it up from there? Yeah, so one of the more heartbreaking things about this is uh, he, bef- the bad Doctor Strange, when he goes back, he goes back in time to try to save her and basically goes through a Groundhog Day moment of he keeps going back and trying different things to prevent her from dying, but no matter what he does, he can't stop her from dying no matter what. And even if, like, he doesn't go to the award ceremony and just tells her to stay like her apartment building like explodes and catches on fire and she ends up like dying anyway. And he finds out that in this universe or whatever, her death is what they call an absolute like point in time where it's like, no matter what, like that event cannot and will not ever change because it's an absolute point. It cannot be altered. And he's like, you're wrong. I'm going to do it. And then so he absorbs all the demonic creatures and stuff to try and gain enough power to try and prevent her from dying. And he becomes so powerful that the narrator of the show, the watcher, he basically hears him and Steven talks to him. And basically like once he realizes he like has kind of fucked up the timeline, he's like, you need to intervene and help me and he's like i'm the watcher i can't intervene i can only watch and he's like you've doomed yourself 
like, yeah. and your world because you were selfish. Well, and so, so Steve, here's the thing that makes it very uh, Lars von Trierish. He defeats the other Doctor Strange. He rips the uh, cloak of levitation in half, which was in itself heartbreaking. You know, poor one out for the cloak, <laughs> and um, and you know, kills the good Doctor Strange in the process. Uh, saves Christine, actually does it, and is such a monster when he does that she re- absolutely rejects him. Oh, that's <laughs> and and then the world, the universe collapses in on itself because oh he's gosh. he's doomed it, and it collapses in on itself into basically a jewel around him, you know, maybe maybe ten feet in circumference or whatever or in diameter around him and the body of Christine and that's kind of it. He's just stuck there now with this corpse in the cell for it, what you assume is eternity pining Oof. with like, yep, you've got all this power and you're stuck in the cell now. Like you've killed everyone. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that does sound as bleak as you were suggesting it. Yeah. It sounds intriguing though. It kind of sounds a bit like a not bad version of the butterfly effect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 not bad version. Um, but it, it definitely, it was an ending I did not see coming. I'll put it that way. It's like, I, you know, you expect like the MCU properties to be a little bit of a safe zone. And, and for them to just be like, no, we're going to go worst possible outcome here. That's, that's where we're heading. And it's oh. like, yeah. Demonic Doctor Strange stuck in a cell of his own creation for all of eternity. Oh, that sounds great. I, I, I need to check that out. And I uh, I haven't watched any of the show yet, but I was a big fan of the What If comic books back when mm-hmm. I uh, read comics in the 90s. And I always liked when they went dark with that. There were, there was a an issue where uh, it was like a body horror Spider-Man issue where he's oh, basically okay. becoming a literal giant spider and he's... It, it, it's, it was a very interesting kind of horror direction for a Spider-Man story. And, and I'd love to see the what if show kind of go in that direction with a few episodes so that, yeah, that leaves me very optimistic for the future of that show. If they're already experimenting with that. Yeah. I remember there was one in the maybe early nineties, late eighties, where it was the Egyptian God set, which is like a giant snake. Uh, comes to earth and, and there was a storyline where they all the heroes it was like through the summer annuals they fought set and won um, but the what if was what if set won and it was really their excuse to find a way that this creature could kill all their heroes <laughs> like so how would you actually kill Wolverine how would you actually kill the Hulk and and they did it throughout this entire run and it was I remember being a kid reading it being like just holy shit like I can't believe this you know uh, so cool yeah but uh, yeah, it's definitely in that mold, and and uh, I, it made me kind of intrigued to see what because they've said a lot of these are canon as far as you know multiverse threads go going forward. So it's like, hmm. is this Doctor Strange now someone that can be broken out of the cell because it seems to be in some sort of gym type structure? Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with this now, but so. Yeah, after watching it um, in my group chat, there was a couple different discussions going on about this. And there was two things that came out of it that I was like, man, that's really interesting. The first one is my friend Troy has a theory 
that mm-hmm. what this basically set up for is he thinks that at the very end of what if that the watcher will intervene and that's okay. going to cause a problem that he said in this one that how he's not allowed to intervene that he thinks there's going to come a point where he's going to have to intervene and he will and it's going to fuck something up in the timeline because he's not supposed to do anything and he did something okay uh, which yeah because think... the watcher even says like if i could punish you and fix all this i would but i can't intervene yeah. you know and so, so is something going to happen more extreme than this yeah so that's what i'm thinking and then my friend brandon brought up the fact which i didn't think about it when watching it and after he said it i was like that kind of makes sense and uh, that's pretty interesting is he thinks that at the very end of the episode when strange becomes trapped in the stone that the stone looks a lot like an infinity stone. So mm-hmm. he thought that that might have been the birth of an infinity stone and that universe was strange collapsing the universe. And that's where the power of the infinity stone comes from. Is It's an entire universe encapsulated in a stone. Yeah. And as, as we've seen in Loki, all these universes have their own sets of stones. Yeah. So, yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious of what they do with it, but, uh, as in a standalone episode, impressive as hell. Not necessarily the most enjoyable episode, <laughs> but uh, really impressive to watch. So, recommend it if you get the chance, if you are so inclined. Um, but, uh, we, so I was the only one of us that saw Shang-Chi, so we will catch up with that as soon as Justin downloads his Korean hard subtitled bootleg <laughs> shaky cam. Gets on LimeWire later tonight. See what we can find. I'm like, ah, yes, Shang-Chi is meant to be watched as it was intended with Korean subtitles. (laughs) Time to fire up Bear Share. (laughs) Recorded from an iPhone 3GS. You know, it'll be great. It's like Akon's smack that dot exe dot mp3. (laughs) Jesus. Akon. I don't know why that killed me, but it oh. absolutely did. Oh it's my god! It fit the era. The yeah. time period yeah. was accurate with the song <laughs> and the reference. Just like eleven-year-old Justin downloading Akon. Yeah, my ringtone. I'm like, whoa! All the M&Ms on the track with them. <laughs> <laughs> Filling your family's computer full of viruses because you yeah. just one of these has to be an actual song. My dad's like, God damn it, Justin, why can't I log on to AOL now? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Things happen. The Internet's weird. I don't know. <laughs> just don't just don't open Casa until I run the defrag. <laughs> I mean, that did happen to me one time where uh, I did download like something where I got like busted by AOL or whatever for pirating. And that's what AOL did was it kicked everyone's accounts out and sent an email to every like account holder that like uh, this user did something they weren't supposed to and that's why this account is locked you need to like weird. click this to agree or whatever that you're not going to do this shit again otherwise you're going to be in trouble so it's like it happened and then like i couldn't log in anymore it's like uh-oh and the only person who can unlock it is the account holder which was like you know my dad and i'm like god damn it so then you know he gets the email and then mm. everyone knows that i was doing some shit i wasn't supposed to on the home <laughs> family computer and it's like what'd you do and i'm like oh like season four of entourage and hbo's <laughs> coming after me now because i wanted to watch what happened with vince and the gang like <laughs> that's great 
They're like, they were recording Medi Ian. I had to figure out what happened. I don't know. I'm like, well, your cheap ass isn't buying HBO, so I'm downloading it. I had, I had to do what I had to do, Dad. <laughs> you expect oh, me? You expect me not to know what what Ari Gold's up to, Dad? <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd. Um, but yes, good stuff. Uh, we should discuss that when you've had a chance to see it. Um, and other than that, I think, gentlemen, we have a show. I think that was a good one. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for jumping on. I always love talking horror movies with you. Hopefully we can do it again as uh, the Halloween season is upon us. In about oh, yeah. A yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversations and, and look forward to talking about, uh, look forward to watching What If and um, everything else we discussed in the episode. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to check out this Tormented Souls game. It looks it looks wild in all the mm. good ways. So. It looks very good. Yeah. So I'm 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 intrigued by that because I mean I like Resident Evil Eight a lot but it man Resident Evil does that Resident Evil thing now every time and even Seven which I loved did it too where it just becomes a Resident Evil game at some point and Eight is no exception. Uh, I will say uh, I at least liked the end portion of Eight more than Seven. I, I was oh, a big much. fan yeah. of of the mines and the the boat in Seven, but the the factory in eight was a pretty cool area. The the problem, I, man, the whole like dollhouse part of eight mm -hmm. with the baby and everything just got so dumb. <laughs> like, it, like, I know it was supposed to be like really disturbing and all that, but I spent most of that time going like, man, this is just stupid. I don't know. But it's super short, though. Like, it I mean, is. you're in it and is. out of that area. Like, it doesn't overstay its welcome, at least. Yeah. It just, it just took me out of it, though. You know, <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, my, my wife and I were, were just discussing that a little while ago and about how just that game just funnels you uh, from big moment to big moment so mm -hmm. efficiently that it almost feels a little bit hollow. And I, I really did like the game quite a bit overall. But, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying about the dollhouse area. Yeah. It's, and it, I think, that just feels and I think empty. My, I think my issue with 8 was, like, it starts so strong. Like, mm -hmm. the... The first four or five hours of eight are just so fantastic. And kind of seven had that problem too, though, where it's like once you got out of the, the mom's domain in seven, the game oh, yeah. kind of just falls apart because mm -hmm. it's Agreed. so strong when you're in the main house and then that back house. And it's like creepy as hell and actually scary. And then it goes to like saw land and you're like, uh, just all right, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I don't know where I digress. Um <laughs> But yes, I'm I'm excited to see what you think about Tormented Souls. Yeah, hopefully it's a throwback in a good way and, and um, mechanically feels up to date with with the standard uh, mm. for the genre. And then what was the uh, what was the graphic novel you were talking about, or the 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 novel game, uh, the horror oh, one? Oh, uh, Death Mark. Death Mark. Yes. I keep wanting to say Death Note, which is the anime, but yeah, Death yes. Mark uh, is is a very very good horror visual novel. Is that one on the Switch? It is, yes. Okay, because I think that might be a good switch game for me. Absolutely, so. yep. All right. Well, uh, Justin, why don't you go ahead and uh, get up on that microphone and land this plane? You know what, guys? <laughs> thank you, guys, for listening to another episode of the That Pixel Life podcast. I wanted to thank Steve for coming on. Always a pleasure talking 
all the spooky stuff with. And uh, if you guys want to talk some spooky stuff, you can head on over to the Discord. You know, we got some spoiler what if talk going on. Um, if, if you're drinking some fun energy drinks from uh, AMPM, you know, why don't you post a couple <laughs> pictures? Show us uh, what you're sipping on. And, uh, you know, Zach, if uh, Robbie was here, what do you think Robbie would say? Robbie would be still talking about Georgia beating Clemson yesterday, and none of you would understand <laughs> oh, anything that he was uh, saying. And uh, then, then at the end of all of it, he'd be sweating, breathing heavy, but he would be like, hey, guys, <sighs> be great. Dude, it's like I, I don't interact with Robbie at all on social media, but I'll see, like, his pictures and stuff. And, like, nine times out of ten, a post from Robbie is a picture of him in some jersey making a face like someone just rear-ended his car and then him <laughs> sporting like three sentences about some sports shit that I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> and that's like every Robbie post. It, it, the man, you know, he loves, he loves Jesus football and video games. And, and he's a simple man that likes what he likes you know? in that order. Yeah, pretty much. I think his family's in there somewhere, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done